Good day, everyone. This is Matt with the Cup of Freedom. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Today is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in Him. I've got my cup of coffee. It's a Texas pecan cup today. It's really tasting good. And that's what we do here on this podcast. We talk about the freedom that we already have in Jesus Christ, and we drink a really good cup of coffee. It's Jesus and coffee, coffee and Jesus. So glad that you are with us. It's a beautiful day here in South Texas, where I'm recording. I hope that it's a beautiful day where you are listening from. And thank you for listening. I want to talk today, you know, so much of this, and in, in, and I've said this so many times on this podcast, that we are free. Christ has set us free, but we're not always experiencing that freedom. And so for us as the believers in Jesus, how we're dealing with circumstances, how we're dealing with uh, relationships, how we're dealing with fleshly behaviors, all those things. Ultimately, we have two two options according to Scripture. We have the Spirit, which we already have in us, to, to walk by, to live by, to, to drink from, to live from, the freedom that we already have, or from the external uh, situation, we can live from our circumstances, from the flesh, from religion, from the fleshly be- behaviors, from other people. All of those are our choices. And so the reason why I called this today what source is because I talk about source a lot, but I wanted to give you an example today of what this looks like. And this can apply, I'm going to make it, I'm going to apply it to the struggle with sexual addiction, but this can apply to any anything when we talk about source, because we've already got Christ as our source, but the reality is, is we don't always choose to live from him as our source. Sometimes we choose to live from the fleshly behavior. Sometimes we choose to live from the security of someone else or the approval of someone else. Sometimes we choose to live from relationships or, or other sources, little S sources, and not from Christ as our source. And so I want to I give a scripture of that. But also, that it's really, right, so the choice comes down to is what source, that's why I titled this, what source, what source will I, will I live from? And there's an example of this in the Old Testament. I, know I don't read a lot of Old Testament scriptures on here. There's an example that I want to use from the Old Testament in Jeremiah, because there are some really, really rich scriptures in the Old Testament. And just, just a quick little side note, all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. So yes, there's... Some stuff in there that you'll read, you'll be like, wow, that's incredible. That's in the Bible. Yes, it is. But it's all pointing to the Messiah. It's all, And we're going to actually read a scripture later on that's going to, going to reveal that. But, but in Jeremiah, there's a, God speaking through the prophet of Jeremiah, and he's, he's making a case against his people. He's, he's, he's going to come down with a pretty, pretty rough uh, analysis, a pretty rough indictment here. Um, and he, and he, say, he said, actually says this, uh, this is Jeremiah 2, uh, verse 9, and then 11 through 13. So here's the first part of it. Therefore, I bring charges against you again. This is the Lord, right? And then verse 11 through 13. My people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So notice the two, the two sins there. Now again, yes, it's a it's a Old Testament scripture, but this we're gonna we're, we're applying this to them, but also gonna apply it to us because this is so true when we talk about source. What's the first sin? Well, they, it says he's, they've forsaken me. Okay, so they've got the spring of living water. Okay, they've got God. Okay, now now these Old Testament folks did not have the Holy Spirit living in them, but they had God. They had God. They were, they were His chosen people. 
Okay, so that's the first one. They've forsaken him. They, in other words, forsaken is another word for reject. Okay, they've rejected him. They've turned to something else. They've turned to another source. They had God, but they turned to another source. Okay, um, and so the, and then he says the second one that they've done is they've actually created another source. So not only did they reject the true source, but then they, and then he says, they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So the first, the first sin was basically not trusting God as their source. And the second sin is then they've, they actually created and looked to, uh, looked to another source, which was is a cistern. Now, now let's just describe cisterns from the Old Testament standpoint. Okay, Old Testament were back in the days of Israel. It was these things were important parts of everyday life. They were these basically these kind of these holes, if you will, almost man-made kind of wells or holes that were dug in Jeremiah's time during this Israel. And they the, thousands of them actually, if you if you look at some of the archaeology from that that time, thousands of those now have been uncovered. And what they were was they basically, you know, rain didn't happen a lot. So what they wanted to do was be able to capture this water. When it rained, they wanted to be able to capture the fresh water and to store it in this. Basically, it was a man-made hole. And what they would do is they would line the hole with their version of plaster or cement or brick or whatever their version was back in, you know, those Old Testament times. So they would dig this hole, this system, and they would, they would put, they would line them with this kind of Man-made plaster slash brick slash concrete slash whatever they could to kind of, but the problem was is that because of the drought and because of other reasons, these cisterns they were always breaking, and so they'd have the water in them. They were always breaking and cracking, and they would lose water. Okay, so even when they didn't break, what happened is the water would kind of become stale or stagnant. They try to cover it up, but it was just become stale, stagnant, and the supply would be um, inadequate. So, uh, you know, Jeremiah, the, the metaphor back then that God's using here would have, to the, those folks back there, kind of seemed ridiculous. No one, no one that who knew what a cistern was would have, would, have, would have looked at that and said, I want that to be my source for living, right? Especially if they had another choice of a crystal clear spring available. I've got two choices. My two choices are this broken cistern who may who looks like it's got some stale water in there, but it's breaking all the time, or this spring of crystal clear water that I can drink from. So they would look at that and say, of course, that's ridiculous. I would choose the spring of fresh and living water, right? But that captures the ridiculousness, really, of us and Christ choosing to go to another source. It, cho- it shows the foolishness of going to another source when Christ ultimately is our source. When we choose a, any other source that's not Christ in us is nothing more than a broken cistern. That's why I wanted to apply this scripture. It's nothing more than a broken well with stagnant water. When we have the spring of living water living inside of us, the spring of fresh water, or as Jesus, and we're going to read the scripture where it talks about where he describes himself as living water. We have that available to us but we go to the stagnant, stale, broken cistern any time we go to the flesh, any time we go to pornography to provide for us what only Christ in us can provide, any time we go to a relationship or a circumstance or security in someone or something, we're going to a source that ultimately is going to have cracks in it. 
it's going to be stagnant. It's going to disappoint even on its best days because it was never meant to provide the living water. Only Christ in us is. So let's, let's look at some examples of this. What could this look like in our lives? What could this look like in my life? What could this look like in your life? Well, we instead of, so think about source. Christ is our source. What do we go to instead? So Christ being our source of comfort, but instead we choose to, uh, other sources of comfort. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's whatever. Okay, Christ is our source for significance. But we turn to our careers, maybe our accomplishments, maybe the trophies that we've won in life. And again, this is not an indictment of anybody because these are things that I deal with as well. Instead of looking to Christ as our source of security, we're looking to our finances, we're looking to our investment, our 401k, our whatever. And this is, wow, this is a really challenging one right now, right? With with the economy the way it is, with everything costing so much, it's what's my security in, Right. So instead of looking to Christ as my source of joy, I look to my relationships. I look to my spouse, maybe my kids, my friendships, my all this kind of stuff, which can be definite sources of enjoyment. But is it my true source? I want you to think in terms of capital S source. Instead of looking to God as my source of hope, just hope in general, hope. What am I looking to for hope? We look to the things that are happening in this world. We look to politicians. We may look to government. We may look to new laws being passed or legislation. None of those things are bad things in and of themselves, but if that's my source of hope, I'm putting it into a broken cistern. Instead of looking to God as or Christ in me as the source of truth, I'm, I may look to what's popular in Christianity. I may listen to the next most popular book or the most popular preacher or teaching or whatever that this is what and then then when it when it comes to <clears throat> dealing with my sexual addiction I may go to that that plan or that book or that resource or that recovery group or that whatever that's going to be the source that I'm looking for instead of trusting the source of truth which I have Christ in me. So Again, those things aren't necessarily, I don't want you to think in terms of bad or good. It's what am I looking to as my source? What am I looking to? God may use many of those things in our lives to get us to trust him as our source. He may use our relationships. He may use money. He may use uh, addictions. He may use the things going on in this world. But ultimately, have they become broken cisterns that we've turned to Instead of the living water, which is Christ in us, we still have a choice, even though we have, and I've said this over and over, we have the living water. We have the springs of living water in us, and we're going to read it here in John chapter 4, here in just a second, but we go to another source. And it's like, it's like if, I, if, if I'm thirsty, physically thirsty, and this is what's going to be lead up right to our example, and I have two choices in front of me. I have this wonderful cold glass of, of water ice cold water, and I have a a soda. Let's just use a soda. And I choose to drink the soda. Now, it may taste really, really good, but is it going to ultimately quench my thirst? It's probably going to leave me more thirsty, actually. But as I partake of that rich freshness and coldness and coolness of the glass of of water, it's going to quench the thirst. It's going to be refreshing. It's going to, especially on a hot day, oh boy, some hot days we had here in Texas, and those glasses of cold water were so refreshing. And yet, how oftentimes have I gone, when I'm thirsty, have I gone to another source? 
to quench my thirst. We do it all the time. We do it every day. We do it more often than we think because the flesh is still there. The flesh has done something for us. This, this glass of soda has actually in some ways provided something for us, metaphorically, right? So let's look at this. We have a new hope now. We have a new source that we can live from. We're better off than the people in the days of Jeremiah because we have Christ living in us. We have the true source of, of life dwelling in us in union with our spirit. Wow. So let's look at chapter, let's look at John chapter four, because this is an example of someone. And I want you, I don't want you to think in terms of, I don't want you to think in terms of male or female or anything like that, because women can struggle with sexual issues just like men can. Yes, men, it seems to be a lot more with the, with the, with the, you know dealing with pornography and stuff like that. But women do as well in different ways, and and even you know studies have shown that women using pornography has grown a lot over the last uh, ten years or so as well. And so that's there. So I don't want you to think in terms of male or female because the interaction that Jesus has here is with a woman who is looking to men as her source. And so as we look in in John chapter four, four she's looking to. Um, and this is where the hope goes, right? So this is where this these broken cisterns. Some some of us, some of you, maybe have looked to your marriage to be your source. You were you bought the bill of goods that this happily ever after was going to happen. You put your hope in your spouse, and this doesn't go male or female. This goes to both sides. Your hope has been in your spouse, and when they look at you funny one day, or they <laughs> maybe speak a ill word against you or maybe whatever happens, right? You're, what happens is is that you're putting your hope in that. And what we do is, here's what we do a lot of times is we start patching these holes. We take these broken cisterns and instead of looking to another source, we keep that same source, but we try to patch it up. We try to plug the holes. We spend, if, if we're honest, we spend most of our lives patching the holes of our lives. Think about that for a minute. I've got this hole in my marriage. I've got this hole in this addiction. I've got this, and I just, if I just do this, if I maybe just was prettier enough, or if I just maybe did more dishes around the house, or if I just um, did this recovery plan, or did this step, or read my Bible more, was more spiritual, we start plugging holes. And what happens is we plug this hole and another one opens up. We plug this one and another one opens up. And the holes just never seem to quite patch up because we're looking to a source that was never meant to provide the living water. We've been patching one leak after another in a broken cistern of our lives. Maybe that's how you feel about your kids. Maybe one of your kids has has gone off and become a prodigal or made some choices that you don't agree with. And so you're trying to fix that and manage that and control that, and you're patching the parenting identity of your life. I'm just using some examples here. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your career. It's your job. Your career has been your source of identity. Your finances have been the source of your identity for your whole life, maybe. And yet then something happens. Maybe you lose a job. Maybe something gets taken away. Maybe your 401k value goes way down. Maybe you lose some some finances in a bad deal. I don't know, whatever that may be. You're patching holes. Maybe you were looking forward to taking that next vacation or this wonderful retirement, and now you realize maybe you've been watching your finances just dwindle over the last who knows how many months and weeks and years. And with it went your hope, because that was your source. 
It's that moment that you realize that whatever you've put your hope in can't hold the water. That's when desperation comes. I put my hope in this recovery plan. I put my hope in this source. I put my hope in this. And it just hasn't fulfilled. It just hasn't come through. It just hasn't done what happened. And sometimes the panic comes. The dread comes. Oh, man, you realize I've been, you've been putting your hope in that source. You've been putting your, your hope in your marriage or your finances. Or your, none of those things are wrong in and of themselves, but that's not the true source of your hope, of your life. I'm going to read a scripture later, too, in, in, in Romans, but this is how it happens. As Paul talks about in Romans how Christ is the, is the source of all of our hope. He will never disappoint. There won't be any broken cisterns in Jesus because he longs for us to experience his living water, which we already have. And so he tells the people of Jeremiah, well, wow, he tells the heavens around. He says, he looks at this, he says, wow, I've given my people, I've given my people of Israel, I've given them myself And here's what they've done. They've looked at that and they've said, no, thank you. They've said, no, thank you. I'm going to build my own well. I'm going to build my own source. I'm going to build my own way of getting life from. God looks at that and it's heartbreaking because he says, I've given you myself. And it's hard for the father to watch that because his own children choose something else. He's provided for and given his children what is life-giving source of life and they're they're rejecting it. And I do that. Anytime I trust in something else to provide comfort, to provide security, to provide value and worth for me, that's when I've gone to another source outside of Christ. And it's all relational with God because now I have Christ living in me. (laughs) It's, and I'm going to, I'm going to do a podcast on this here real soon, but it's the prison door is open. Jesus has set me free, and yet I'm saying, I'm still going to go out and figure this on my own, God. I can do this. Just tell me what to do to overcome pornography, and I'll do it. And, and Jesus, yeah, you can help me along the way, but I'm ultimately going to be, be the one to figure this out. Wow. So we've rejected his living water. And again, this is not a condemnation. He's not beating us over the head. Now, there was some, those were some harsh words in Jeremiah, but in the New Testament, the new covenant that we have in Christ— there's not going to be, he's not beating us over the head and saying, boy, Matt, I just wish you'd figure this out. I'm condemning you, number one, for rejecting me. No, the Spirit of God's always going to remind us, Matt, you've got the living water. He's not bringing charges against charges against us like, like it said there in Jeremiah. I don't want you to, that's where the New Testament, that's where we, what we have now is so much better off. He's not accusing us or condemning us or charging us with anything. We must know that. So the reason why I use that Old Testament scripture, because it gives us an example, it gives us a metaphor that applies to our lives today. But now we're better off because we've got Christ in us. We've got the living water. It's a title that Jesus gives himself in John 4. Now he's traveling, I want to give a little background here, he's traveling through uh, Samaria. Now the scripture says that he had to go through Samaria. Well, he actually didn't, but he chose to go through uh, it doesn't seem to be an entirely accurate description there because he really didn't have to go through Samaria. There were certainly other ways around it, and in those days, Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. Most Jews would have actually done whatever possible uh, necessary to stay out of Samaria. There just there wasn't 
the Jews looked at the Samaritans as unclean. There was, there was a lot of prejudice between Jews and Samaritans. But John, the book of John says he had to. So Jesus knew there was going to be an interaction. They had been traveling a long, a long time, and there was this woman who lived there. We don't know her name. Scripture doesn't say, it just says the woman of Samaria, the Samaritan woman. Uh, but what happens is she goes to, um, there was a woman there who basically, she was desperately searching and putting her hope into something or someone, right? But time and again, she was looking to a broken cistern and watching all the water run out. Her search was always ending in disappointment. So Jesus has this, this encounter. And so now remember, he's traveling. He's been walking with his disciples. He's traveling. He's physically, we forget oftentimes the physical human side of Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man. So he had physical needs. He was thirsty. He got hungry. Okay, He got tired. He, he needed sleep, food, uh, and water. <laughs> That's the physicality of Jesus that we forget so oftentimes. So he's thirsty. He's been walking and traveling. So he arrives at this well, okay? And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of sermons that have been preached on this, but for today's purposes, I'm using it out of the idea of source. Which source are we living to? He comes to this well, right? And now a well is different than a cistern, okay? Okay, the cistern collected the rainwater, uh, and a, and a, the well actually allows you to draw it from underground. It allows you to draw it from within, right? Cistern was the rainwater kind of, okay? So, but cisterns, get, uh, just like with cisterns, getting water from this from a well required a lot of effort. I mean, there was it was work to do, okay? And also like cisterns, sometimes wells would often be dry or full of stagnant water. Okay, so Jesus shows up. Man, it's the heat of the day. This woman comes at this time because normally the the women come at a different time, but she doesn't want to be seen because she's, in those times, a woman of shame. And we're going to find out why. And he sits down. He's thirsty. Okay, Uh, but there isn't much he can do about it because this well is likely, you know, who knows how many feet deep and he all water from it. He doesn't have so his. His disciples are going off. They're going to head by, head, head over and get a, um, a bite to eat in this village. But Jesus stays behind because he knew that this woman would be coming soon. So she arrives at the well, and then Jesus, Jesus asks her for a drink. That's I love this part because it's the physicality. I need a drink of water. He's going to use the physical example of getting a drink of water to give us a spiritual metaphor for him as our living water. And she kind of does this double tag. Like, what are you talking about? What, what, why is it that you, you're a Jew? He, she he, she ought to, uh, already recognizes that he's a Jew. Why would you even speak to me? First of all, men and women didn't have a lot of interaction in those days in some ways. But then Jews and Samaritans. And so then he says, in, uh, he says, give me a drink. And then his, his, his disciples have gone away. And so uh, after... after um, she basically says, well, how is it that you, a Jew, or verse 10, is, Jesus says this. He says, uh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So there he's describing himself there with a different term, living water. Not the kind of water that you drink, but living water. So basically, he's basically, my paraphrase of this, he's saying is if you, if you knew who I was, You'd ask me for water. If you knew that I was the Son of God, you would be asking me because I am the source of living water. 
Now, I, my guess at, at this point, she's probably maybe thinking, what, who, what, what is this guy all about? Maybe he's gotten too much sun. Maybe he's, you know, I don't know what. There could be a little thing. But she points out then that Jesus doesn't even have a bucket, which, yeah, that's the obvious, right? Jesus explains to her that if she, and then Jesus explains uh, that if she drinks his water, she'll never be thirsty again. Wow. So this is, that's what she's, so verse verse 11, verse 11 like you have no bucket, this well is deep. Uh, where then do you get this living water? She's asking, right? Uh, and then she go, mentions Jacob, which was the one who gave us this, the well. Okay, And then Jesus answers to her in verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. This is there's such a richness of this story because it uses the physical to show us the spiritual. I love this example of the physical thirst that we all have and how we go to broken wells and stagnant water and other sources when we have the fountain, he says, the fountain of water springing up to eternal life. In us, he has something. He tells her he has something that will satisfy her forever, that will quench her spiritual thirst forever. She doesn't understand. She's thinking in terms of the physical thirst. You don't have a bucket. You're thirsty. Who are you to ask? all this? But Jesus is going to use this example of physical water to provide a spiritual quenching of her thirst that she's been looking to. Uh, Jesus then goes in. This is where he's going to reveal something he's never done to anybody else. He, he, uh, the woman says in verse 15, he says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here. She's traveling a long way to get this water, right? <clears throat> and then he says to her in verse 16, Go call your husband and come here. Now, this is where it gets really cuts to the truth, right? And she's, she tells him, you know, well, I don't have a husband. I'm, I've actually, uh, and Jesus, Jesus with a gentle smile. And again, this is, here he is interacting with someone who is dealing with sexual sin, sexual struggle. She's looking to relationship with another, with men, to be her cistern, to be her well, to be her source. But he looks at her with a smile. I can just see Jesus. Just, there's no condemnation in this. He says, yeah, you've spoken the truth. You've spoken the truth um, when you say I have no husband. And Jesus says, yeah, in verse um, in verse 17, you have correctly said, I have no husband. In verse 18, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This which you have said is true. So he acknowledges that she's speaking the truth. She's not hiding from him. Here, Imagine this, a man, a Jewish man, sitting there asking her for a drink of water. She's, she's been married five times. The man she's living with now is not. And here she's having this interaction. Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine all of that? And, and yet she speaks the truth to him. She realizes at some point that there's something going on here. And then verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So she's thinking, wow, this is, yeah, this is, this is some kind of, she's, she's trying. Then what she does, though, is she tries to shift the, shift the conversation because now that shame is coming up. He's, he's speaking some things about me that he should not know. So she changes the subject. She's asking a, she starts asking a theological question. Now, Jesus quickly answers it. I'm not going to go through that, but he, he redirects. He gets us back. She still is not understanding. And so in verse 25, she says this. She says, um, 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And then Jesus says this in verse 26. He says, Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking to you. I I get chills reading that. He reveals himself to be the Messiah. He reveals himself to be the living water. He reveals himself to be the true source. Her search, imagine this. I mean, just put yourself in the moment for a minute. Don't think male or female. You've been going to men your whole life. You've been going to women your whole life. You've been going to pornography your whole life. You've been going to whatever that is your whole life, your job, your career, your finances, your marriage, your kids, your fill in the blank. You've been going to that your whole life and there's some cracks along the way, some bigger than others, of course. Imagine this woman for a moment. Her search finally has come to an end. Five husbands, five different broken wells, five different cisterns, and all of them had cracks. All of them had leaks. None of them held water. None of them were the true source for very long. But Jesus reveals that there's something within her. There's something that knows that he is the one He's revealed himself, but now there's something that's broken through. There's something that real. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the one that has come to be the source of her life and the source for the whole world. It's it's that. It's it's wow. I mean, we we think about that, right? It's it's powerful. We think about how I've got. I went to pornography as my source of comfort, of security, of value, of worth of acceptance for 20 plus years of my my life. I had the living water. I wasn't lacking living water. Hear me, brother and sister in Christ. You're not lacking living water. You've got it. And I'm probably going to do a part two on this because I've already gone so long today, but you've got the living water. And yet I chose, I had the living water, and yet I chose to go to a different source. I chose to go and notice what Jesus doesn't do here. Jesus doesn't say, well, hey, I've got this really great guy. He was traveling with some good single guys, right? Some of his disciples were married. We don't know who all was and who all wasn't. But he doesn't say, hey, I've got this. I've, you've had these five, six other guys, but I've got, this, I've got this one that you really need. He doesn't do that. He says, I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm your source. So that's this, apply, this is what we do in Christianity, we take things of the world, we take sources that the world looks to for their significance, for their security, for their identity, We've t- and we apply them to Christianity. And we say, because that's true out there, that this has got to be true. And so because, because someone that's an unbeliever can say no to pornography, but they still don't have the Spirit of God. They were the source of that, of that um, behavior. We as believers have two sources to live from. An unbeliever doesn't. They still are in dead in their sin and in the flesh. Even if they do something that's good and say no to pornography, it's still out of their own resources. We have the source of Christ in us. We can walk by the Spirit or walk by the flesh. Someone who's an unbeliever can't. We have two choices. It's a trust. It's trust. He doesn't give it. So it's it's when you're dealing with this fleshly behavior, we want to look to these other sources. That's why I always say, yes, God can use those as tools. But the true source of knowing what I had in Jesus was the answer for my struggle with pornography for 20 years. When I actually realized that Jesus was my living water 
and I began to choose to believe that that could be true, and then I I began to choose to trust. Choosing to trust was just believing it, agreeing it, and then when I acted on it, that's when I drank it. I drank from the living water. It's like I've used this example. I've got this cup of coffee in front of me. It's got coffee in it full to the brim. But I won't experience that coffee unless I drink from it. I can choose to be, oh, maybe that's coffee, maybe that's not. I, as I choose to trust, that's coffee. And I take a drink. And oh, does it taste good? I'm experiencing what I already have. We've got the living water. And now as we trust it, yeah, that's true. I've got it. See, I didn't believe I had it for so long. Now, so I, the search continued. Maybe I didn't look to that source anymore, but it was always filling in the gap with another source. So as we asked the question at the beginning, what source? And I'm going to give you some questions the next time, I think, to make this more practical. But what source are you looking for? Are you looking to, to provide whatever that may be? You may be dealing with insecurity. You may be dealing with self-worth. You may be dealing with loneliness. You may be dealing with whatever that is. And ultimately, we look to other sources to fill those needs. When Christ says, I've met all your needs. I'm the living water. Will you trust me? Will you trust me that I'm enough? This example of living water is a, is a point he's, he's showing us to, to show us sufficiency. Christ is enough today. Are you struggling financially? He's enough. Are you struggling in your marriage and family? He's enough. Are you struggling in your job? He's enough. Are you struggling with loneliness? He's enough. I believe that or not. Do I dare believe that he's enough? The living water is enough. The source, the Christ in me is enough. To deal with this addiction, is Christ not enough to deal with whatever it is I face today? Because those things are not my source. My struggle with an addiction, my circumstances, even my marriage, my finances, my kids, none of those are my true source. Christ is my life. But as we choose, sometimes those other sources have to, have to fall off the wayside. Sometimes they're just, I look back at my life and I say, oh, wow, that was what I looked to my identity to. And now it's just kind of fallen away. I used to look to that as my source and now... I'm trusting you more and more, God, as my source. I'm trusting you more and more, Christ, as my life, as my source. So this is so important. I want to end this today, but that's it. And I want to. I wanted to share one quick scripture to you uh, with you before we go. And I want. I want to. Um, I want to. I want to probably follow up with a couple of questions the next time. But this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's Romans fifteen thirteen. Let me leave you with this today. It says, "Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing." so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What are you placing your hope in? Because God is the source of that hope, and he's filled you with all of his joy, all of his peace, so that, here it is, there's a so that, so that you will abound in hope. Where's your source of hope? It's Christ in you. By what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got the living water. You've got the source of hope and peace and joy in you already. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for joining us today on A Cup of Freedom. We got, we'll follow up with one quick uh, other episode on this, and then I'm really excited. We've got a series coming up on, uh, called The Battle of the Mind. We're going to be going through how lying beliefs affect us and just 
what the real battle is going on for us, because the real battle is not for our spirit, but ultimately for our minds and what we're believing and choosing to believe is true. So we've got that coming up. We're really excited about some other things too. So thanks for joining us today. And as we say here on this podcast, come as you are and find freedom. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.